It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler Communications. Play Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. The Sunday Funday recap of week 15. The first round of the playoffs is in the books. And we have to take out what we can moving forward into week 16 and week 17 of your fantasy football playoffs. Now, hopefully, if you're part of MD Nation, you survived the first round of the playoffs. But if you didn't, I hope you are still tuning into the show because it's that much entertaining to you. Hopefully. If not, it's okay. We're here to help you guys who have moved on to the next round continue to move on to the next round and win the championship on the way. That's what's all part of being in MD Nation. 
Uh, you can always follow us on our social media feeds at Show. Thank you for viewing us on live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe whenever you have a chance to do so. If not, just download us on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and give us that five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. It was uh, it was an uneven performance, I believe, in week 15. Started off really well. Thursday, I thought, for the most part, your fantasy football guys came through for you. Saturday had a litany of good games. And not that Sunday didn't have its own good games along with it, but there is a uh, there was a discrepancy as far as the fantasy output when it comes to the Sunday games, I believe, through this week. Of course, when we're talking about the Sunday, Funday afternoon, especially week 15, we're talking about the Thursday night games, Saturday games, and the Sunday afternoon games. Sunday and Monday night, we'll be previewing or recapping, I should say, those games on Tuesday night when we go through that. And, of course, the heroes and zeros, my right-wrong calls of the week, and the waiver saviors heading into week 16. But first and foremost... We got the thumpers and bummers of week 16. So let's go ahead, or week 15, excuse me. Let's go ahead and get into those right away. We'll start off with the quarterback bummers, which there was actually only one bummer. Quarterback bummers. The only bummer that I had was Justin Herbert. The reason for this being the only bummer that we have to talk about today is because, well, it was the only quarterback that you're probably leaning on in the top 12 quarterbacks that we had listed, top 12 quarterbacks of the ECR, that also at the same time did not perform the way you were hoping to slash expected to. And I know, sorry, for you guys for you guys watching the video, I know there's something going on weirdly with the green screen. We're trying to get that corrected as we go through the show. If you're listening to the podcast, just bear with us. But the first bummer and the only bummer we had at the quarterback position was Justin Herbert. Goes over 300 yards. That's the good news. The bad news is no touchdowns and two picks. Not the performance you were expecting against the Tennessee Titans, whose secondary have been awful, have been there for the taking for everybody who played against them. And it didn't happen for Justin Herbert, of all people. And you play in leagues where you get minus two points for turnovers. He really left you hanging. And it's a shame. So Justin Herbert makes our bummer list for the fantasy football playoffs. I hope you're part of MD Nation. He did not sink you, but I know he sank some people at least this week. So Justin Herbert, the only bummer we have at the quarterback position for week 15. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! On the flip side of that, we did have some thumpers. We had Patrick Mahomes, 336 yards and two touchdowns, not to mention 33 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown on top of that. There was some reason to fret. Look, Houston is a team that's been run on so effectively by so many teams that the passing game has been left undone. But Chris and I, Chris Dahauer, that is, we talked to you guys about the fact that, well, the Chiefs aren't really wired the same way. Now, it definitely helped, and we'll get into this later, about Houston keeping this game close <laughs> throughout. Some Once again, being double-digit underdogs 
they somehow keep it close. And ultimately, I mean, if you're betting on this game, they, they covered. They covered against Dallas. They covered against Kansas City, believe it or not. But it allowed the Chiefs to have to continue to be aggressive, which allowed Patrick Mahomes to give you the great fantasy performance. Our number two thumper of the week, of course, has to be Jalen Hurts. 315 yards, didn't throw for a touchdown, and had two interceptions, but he makes up for it by getting the hat trick on the ground. Three rushing touchdowns, 61 yards on the ground. Jalen Hurts continues to be on this hot streak where he's just finishing inside the top three of quarterbacks every single week. Oh, Having him right now has been fantastic, but what's better, what's even better is Josh Allen. Josh Allen, 304 yards to the air, four passing touchdowns, 77 yards rushing. He was tremendous throughout this game, and this is why Josh Allen's always ranked as like our number one guy. He's never lower than the top two. What a tremendous output in a game we didn't know what to expect because weather-wise, we thought maybe it would be snowing. It didn't really snow until later in the game. Basically, the fourth quarter, I think, is actually when it officially started snowing. And I want to point this out. I get a lot of calls wrong, but I did say for my job, my day job, that is, I do travel quite a bit. And heading into last week, I said, well, I actually was in western New York. And I was trying to tell you guys the media was trying to pipe up this snow game that was supposed to happen throughout the entirety of the game. And I kept saying, like, as somebody who's in western New York, I could tell you that we might get through the entire game without snow. And if we do, it'll be very little. And there wouldn't be much snow on the ground either. It was a long snowstorm, not a compact snowstorm. Not that I'm a weatherman or anything like that, and I'm not trying to be. But I I did know that going into that game, the weather was not going to be as impactful as everybody was making it out to be. And therefore, I thought the guys that you'd lean on for fantasy-wise, you'd be able to lean on in that game. And Josh Allen, being one of them, came through and performed in a really big way, too. So pretty much Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes are three thumpers of the week. It's no coincidence these have been the top three quarterbacks all season long. So the guys you've leaned on to get you there got you there. Not only got you there, but potentially got you to the next round, too. That's a good. That's what we want to see when it comes to our playoff matchups. Running back bummers. So we get into our running back bummers, and it's a lot left to be desired. We got Miles Sanders coming at number three of the bummers, forty-two yards on the ground. That was it. And then to cap it off. He had negative, negative 13 receiving yards. How does it even happen? I I mean, I know how it happened. I watched that game, but negative 13 receiving yards for a guy who's been an RB1 pretty consistently against the Chicago Bears. I feel your pain. If you had Miles Sanders, who has been electric, especially over the past couple of weeks, you're going against Chicago, you're thinking to yourself, there's no reason the Eagles shouldn't win this game handedly. There's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't be able to run on this team. And yeah, Miles Sanders was left out in the cold, 42 yards and negative 13 receiving. Unbelievable. Sorry for that one. And then the other one, Zonovan Knight, comes out our number two bummer of the week. 23 yards on the ground, full stop. <laughs> 23 yards on the ground, full stop. 
nothing in the passing game. No touchdowns to, you know, save your day. We knew it's Zach Wilson, the entire Jets offense could be taking a bump down. But never would I would have thought who I ranked inside the top 24, Zonovan Knight, taking such a bump down. And then we're looking at 23 rushing yards against the Detroit Lions. I know the Lions have been good in the run defense as of late. That still does not mean that I was expecting that low of a performance. It's incredible. It's disappointing. And that's why he was one of our bummers of the week. Our number one bummer, though, Jamal Williams. 33 yards. Again, full stop. Nothing in the receiving game. More importantly, when it comes to Jamal Williams, who's somebody you've been leaning on as a main stain RB2, because he's been getting so many touchdowns this year, still leads the league, by the way, in rushing touchdowns. But when he doesn't get those rushing touchdowns, oh, man, does he have a low floor. The reason why he's our number one bummer at 33 yards is because he did get in the end zone, but it was called back by penalty. And that's what really leaves you hanging here. Jamal Williams, absolutely terrible this upcoming week, and you're called back due to a penalty. You might have needed that touchdown to be the difference. And it really just, oh, it's a stake of the heart. And that's why it's a big-time bummer for us this week. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Pretty sure Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things. Rushed over 100 yards, 104 to be exact. Gets a rushing touchdown. Oh, by the way, hits my prop bet that I had. I had the over on 13 and a half receiving yards. Four targets, 59 yards receiving. Yeah, he hit that pretty A-OK. Against the Los Angeles Chargers, was there ever any doubt I know the Titans wind up losing this game anyway. It does not matter. Derrick Henry coming through when you need him the most. Here's another guy who came through when you needed him the most. That was Dalvin Cook having one of his biggest games of the year. 95 yards on the ground, but furthermore, 95 yards receive it. Our big problem with Dalvin Cook throughout the entire year is that he's not involved enough in the reception game. And look, let's not get carried away. It's not like he was overly involved in targets this week either, but... Gives that 65-yard big play touchdown through the air, which boosts his receiving. He almost went 100 and 100 on the ground and through the air. Instead, he goes 180 yards or 190 yards total with a touchdown. Dalvin Cook, after a bad week in week 14, gives you the RB1 performance you've been needing out of him. And our number one guy is the same number one guy, that it was from last week, our number one thumper is Jarek McKinnon. And again, not doing it on the ground, or I mean, somewhat doing it on the ground. I shouldn't shun him completely. 52 yards and a rushing touchdown, that's nothing to just, you know, dismiss. But once again, eight targets, 70 yards in the air, and a touchdown receiving. Jarek McKinnon has been on fire, on absolute fire. For the past couple of weeks. We're going to have to ask a serious question going into next week. Do we play Isaiah Pacheco? Do we play Jarek McKinnon? McKinnon's been the one scoring over the past two weeks. Now, the the usage back and forth is, well, untrustworthy to say the least. When you go to Jarek McKinnon, when you go to Isaiah Pacheco, it could be Pacheco just as easily next week. But it could be continuing with Jarek McKinnon as it has been the past couple of weeks. They found something with him in the passing game. Definitely. 
And this game was not the game script that we were expecting with Houston Texans. It was a close game throughout in the entire four quarters. We were expecting a blowout that didn't wind up happening. So as a result, we wound up getting Jerry McKinnon a little more action than we thought he, he was going to. And he wants to be another fantasy stud yet again. Wide receiver bummers. Oh, the bummers always suck. I guess that's why they're bummers. Jacoby Myers, six targets, two receptions, 47 yards. Not, not to mention the boneheaded play of the year, not just a week of the year. When he throws that ball back to Mac Jones at the end of the game when all he had to do is fall down, and the game at least would have went to overtime. Jacoby Myers single-handedly handed the Raiders their victory today. Ugh. And from a fantasy standpoint, he wasn't good either. Here's another bummer for you, Marquise Brown. Now, I wasn't particularly high on Marquise Brown coming into this game. He just made my top 36 coming into the week. Just made it. He had eight targets, and that's the reason why I made my top 36, because the volume I figured probably would be there to at least some degree. But four catches, 19 yards. Ugh. Ugh. Denver's the number one defense against the wide receiver position. That's why I wasn't a fan, but not expecting that for a guy who's playing the slot position. Of course, Trace McSorley having to come into that game doesn't help things. And our number one bummer of the week Devontae Adams, nine targets, only four catches for 28 yards and no scores. Devontae Adams is a big reason why people are even in the playoffs to begin with. So to see a guy like that come up with 28 yards, four catches, single-digit points no matter what scoring format you're in, that was brutal. We know that the Patriots, we run the risk of them taking away the number one option. But to this point, they had widely been unsuccessful in doing so. What a rough game that was. I hope if you have Devontae Adams, you were able to survive anyway. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Justin Jefferson coming in as our number three thumper of the week. A big cog in the machine that was the Minnesota Vikings who came back to win against the Indianapolis Colts. 16 targets, 12 receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. What makes that performance more impressive, not just because it was a good performance and it happened in a critical time for you, but he got knocked out of this game briefly with a chest issue which they said he's okay. He came back and played a great game. And then he also got knocked out briefly because Stephon Gilmore did a helmet-to-helmet hit. He had to get evaluated for a concussion and then was cleared. I mean, that's almost impressive. That, that belongs to the thumper list in and of itself because players have not been getting cleared once they get evaluated for concussions very often so far this season. But Jefferson did. And it was enough game time where you don't feel like Jefferson's going to suddenly pop up in the concussion protocol heading into next week. We will have to watch him, of course, very, very closely. But that was tremendous. The fact that he was able to come back in, play through overtime, give them the performance that they needed. And, of course, our number two thumper was another Minnesota Viking wide receiver. Now, the game script, of course, you know, dictated that they had to come back from behind. A lot of volume was going to be had. 
but 16 targets for Osborne as well. 10 receptions, 157 yards and a touchdown. Nobody was playing KJ Osborne. Maybe in DFS leagues. Maybe. <laughs> I doubt it, but maybe. Nobody was playing KJ Osborne, but he lit it up. A number one thumper of the week. A guy who had just come inside my top 36, came inside my top 32. He was still a wide receiver three for me. I was not predicting this huge of a game, but Zay Jones. Eight targets, six receptions, 109 yards, and gets the hat trick in touchdowns. Zay Jones becoming a guy that you're not going to be able to bench him next week. You have to play him as a flex. You can't not play a guy who got three touchdowns the week before. Are you kidding me? The Jaguars' offense is here to stay. Trevor Lawrence has turned a corner. So is his offense. So is his team. This is a good Dallas Cowboy defense that they lit up, especially in the second half. Very impressive across the board. Tight end bummers. I feel like tight end bummers, that could really be anybody, but we did have some big names that had to make this bummer list. Like our number three guy, TJ Hawkinson, the targets were there. You'll take nine targets out of a tight end any day of the week, but three catches, 33 yards, no touchdowns against a what should have been a good matchup on paper. Ugh. This is a guy I had at my number three tight end. I've had him at my number three tight end pretty consistently at that. Not happening there. Our number two bummer. This is a name that's been all too familiar on this list over the past couple of weeks. And that was Mark Andrews. Seven targets, three catches, 31 yards. I mean, the whole point about being excited that Tyler Huntley's the starting quarterback is the fact that he's supposed to target Andrews, you know, a ton. And technically, relative to everybody else on the field, he did. But we only get three catches and 31 yards for a tight end for who's been brutal over the past few weeks, but you can't bench him because his name is Mark Andrews and you know how good he can be. Just makes it all the worse. But nobody was worse than Pat Fryermuth. Zero. Goose egg. Nothing. Pat Fryermuth has been one of the most consistent tight ends throughout the entire season. The fact that he came in with Mitchell Trubisky and gave you nothing. What are we supposed to do? How do you evaluate from that? I can't even give fantasy analysis on that because his value doesn't change. But he just probably killed you this week if you're depending upon him for anything. Ugh. You hate to see it. You really do. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! On the flip side, on the thumper side, Dawson Knox. This is a guy I've been avoiding pretty much all year long, but he was playing against the Miami Dolphins, so he came inside my top 15 and was probably a decent DFS play to play for the Saturday games to begin with. And, whoa, eight targets, six receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Dawson Knox coming through in a big way in this game. I don't know how many people played him, but if you did, you you got you got more than you could ever bargain for. Let's put it that way. Number two on our list is Juwan Johnson. Six targets, four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. All the guy does is get in the red zone. That's all he does. Again, another guy that I'm not sure how many people started because these are not two guys that belong in anywhere inside of our top 12. being too wildly inconsistent. And if you're beating yourself up about not playing one of these guys, don't. 
the process was not in favor of them. And the process, again, is a situation, a system in which we have to give us the highest probability of outcomes. This was not it. And our number one thumper was somebody who probably did everyone play. That was George Kittle. Five targets, four catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns in the Thursday night game. You can always trust your tight ends against Seattle. And George Kittle, who's been a top five guy for me pretty consistently, just if nothing else due to the talent, does come through with a big league winner in this particular week in week 15 with his performance there. That does it for our thumpers and bummers. What I want to do is take a quick break. We come back on the other side. We'll have our notes of the game, what to take with us into week 16. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for free shipping and 20% off. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's a Sunday Funday recap here tonight on a Monday night here at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in live, by the way. Subscribe if you have not done all done so already. Excuse me for that. Uh, hit the like button, too, while you're at it. If you have to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go, that's fine. Just download us on your favorite podcast app, and we'll give you know we'll give you all the analysis that you need when you're anywhere driving. You know, if you're listening to relatives that are driving you nuts, maybe put this in your headphones, and then therefore you don't have to listen to them. You can just listen to me talk to you about fantasy football advice, and hopefully you're doing so because you're in the playoffs. Because that's a pretty, pretty, that's probably the only reason why you're listening to the show still at this point in the year. So we went through the uh, thumpers and bummers of the week. Now we have the notes of these games to go through with you. And this is the Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon games. I have to specify now because, you know, Sunday Funday Recap is actually a wide-ranging array of matchups that we're talking about. So this is what we got for you with the notes of the game. I know, I know, I know. What do we know? 
What do we know about San Francisco and Seattle coming in that Thursday night game? Well, I mean, Brock Purdy was banged up, right? But he still had an admirable performance. George Kittle, we already talked about him being in the uh, thumper section of this. And with Kittle, my only note on him is that, look, you play him in advantageous matchups and you play him probably no matter what you do. I mean, you're not going to find tight ends who are more talented than he is. And without Debo Samuel, it should offer more targets for him. Now, this is a particular game in which the 49ers didn't have to throw the ball all that much, but they might be in competitions in the next two or three weeks where they're going to have to. So keep that in mind there. Uh, Ayuk, we do have to lower the value on Ayuk. So we didn't know exactly what it was going to be without Debo. We thought, okay, maybe it's target consolidation. Maybe it goes more in his direction. Brain Ayuk had three targets in the game in which Debo got hurt for the rest of that game. It was in the first half, by the way. He only had four targets in this game against Seattle. Now, I know Seattle is pretty good against perimeter wide receivers, but you figure part of the game plan, somebody has to actually catch the ball. Well, that was only George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey which feeds into the narrative that we have on the analysis with Brock Purdy, which is short and intermediate parts of the field. That's where he's going to look to go with the football. And as a result of that, anything happening outside the hashes is likely not to get a ton of looks throughout the game. I still still think Brian Ayuk is a quality wide receiver three, but the days of him being ranked inside of our top 20 likely will be over with Brock Purdy as the starting quarterback. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey, he was the main offense. Eight targets, six catches, 30 yards. That was just through the air. On the ground, he had 26 carries, 108 yards, a touchdown. It's the most work he's had since becoming a San Francisco 49er. The only question we're going to have now is that with the 49ers clinching the division with that win over Seattle, how aggressive are they going to be? Minnesota won this past week, so it makes it a little bit more difficult, but are they truly in pursuit of the second seed? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. To make sure they have, you know, home games throughout the playoffs with the exception of what would now be the Philadelphia Eagles as of this moment. I don't I don't really know the answer to that question. This is a team that's been pretty banged up, lost some key players. Debo Samuel, for one, a guy that I really don't expect to see until the beginning of the playoffs. So it stands to reason that maybe they dial it back on some of these other guys. But on the flip side of that, they don't really have anybody else to compete. And getting that second seed, while it does not get you a bye week in anymore necessarily, making sure you have a home playoff game, both the first and second round, can be important enough for teams to go for it. 
So I think you're safe come week 16. Week 17, though, depending upon what's happening, could be interesting as far as what 49er players are even available and playing the entirety of the games. On the Seattle side, of course, we had bad news about Tyler Lockett. He breaks his finger, gets surgery right away. It's a certainty at this point that he's going to miss week 16. The question is, will he be back for championship week? So if you have him and you moved on to the next round of playoffs, my hat's off to you first and foremost. But you also have to know that you're not going to have him necessarily until week 17. So you're going to have to make roster adjustments accordingly to that. The other thing was Kenneth Walker. They they made a comment, Pete Carroll made a comment after the game that maybe Kenneth Walker was a little bit sore with his ankle, but no reported setbacks. Actually still was able to tack on, you know, seven, over 70 yards from scrimmage, which frankly against the San Francisco 49ers, the running back, it's no easy feat, to be honest with you. And they have a much easier matchup next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So go ahead, play Kenneth Walker with some confidence. I think he'll be due for a touchdown next week. Let's get into that Colts and Minnesota game. The Colts blowing a 33 to nothing lead, and I still can't figure out how it happened. How do you play prevent defense for an entire half and allow the Minnesota Vikings to come back? But that's exactly what the Indianapolis Colts did. Now, not that that matters too much for you one way or another when it comes to fantasy, because I highly doubt there's a lot of people out there who are trying to play the Indianapolis Colts defense. However, on the flip side of that, Jonathan Taylor, he winds up with an ankle injury, gets ruled out right away in this game. Now, I can tell you, unfortunately, we're not going to have Brian Scott this week. So we're going to have to watch the practice reports. You're going to have to watch us on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date there. It was bad, though. If you were leaning on Jonathan Taylor, not only did he likely lose you the game, but if you somehow made it to the next round, there's a decent chance you're not going to have him next week. And what makes that even worse, there's no clear-cut handcuff. Zach Moss had 24 carries in this game. He wasn't efficient. 24 of 81, 3.4 yards a carry. But Deion Jackson, 13 of 55 and he winds up getting a what was technically a receiving touchdown. It was a joke. It's basically was a rushing touchdown. It counts as a receiving touchdown because the quarterback went forward with his arm. Fine, whatever. He gets the touchdown here with 13 carries compared to Zach Moss's 24. This is a committee. It's a committee that you cannot trust. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where not only is Jonathan Taylor out, but we can't even trust the backup. We used to be able to do that earlier on in the season. Now you can't. So I said there's there's no grab there, and it leaves you in a very wonderment situation here with Kenneth, with uh, um, excuse me, Zach uh, Jonathan Taylor. On the flip side of that, Michael Pittman, he got heavily targeted. Did what you expect him to do. Gets a lot of targets, got 14 in this particular game, gets 10 receptions, 60 yards, no touchdowns. With Pittman, it's all about the volume. I hope you have him in full point PPR leagues. Because frankly, anything outside of that, you don't know what kind of production you're actually going to get out of Michael Pittman. That's for uh, you know for your fantasy teams in any kind of capacity. When we move on to Minnesota, we talked about KJ Osborne. He's been coming on as of late. He's had a couple good games in a row now. We talked about Dalvin Cook. We talked about Justin Jefferson. The guy we have to talk about is Adam Thielen. Now, he scores touchdowns, so if you played him as your flex, okay, fine. He came through for you, but only four targets, three catches of 41 yards, and it took him to the end of the game to start barking at the coaching staff to let him get the ball that he finally started seeing targets. 
maybe Adam Thielen is becoming increasingly uninvolved with the future of this offense. And that's something we really have to consider moving forward. When we go to the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Brown game, the Saturday afternoon game, there's really not much to talk about here. Dobbins is back. I mean, that that's the good news. He had eight over eight yards of carry last week. He had nine yards of carry this week, 13 carries for 125 yards. And to make, you know, to make things better for him, I mean, his long was 37 yards on the day. It's not like he broke off a 60, 70 yarder, and that's why he got all of his yards. No, he was just pretty efficient throughout the game today. Gus Edwards, of course, second fiddle, seven carries for 55 yards. J.K. Dobbins, of course, tacked on a catch on a one target for three yards. Who cares? That's not going to be their game plan. But now J.K. Dobbins with two good weeks in a row is somebody you can definitively trust in your fantasy football playoff matchups. At least I believe so. Anyway, on the Cleveland side of the brawl, well, look, we've been waiting for Deshaun Watson to kind of get his act together. And they wound up winning this game 13-3, so it's not like they didn't do enough to win. They did. But 18 of 28, 161 yards and a touchdown, that's not going to cut what they paid this guy. But he's still filling out the offense, and that should be a lesson for you. If you have Amari Cooper, you're playing him. If you have Nick Chubb, you're playing him. But if you have DPJ, it does very much matter on what we think the quarterback is going to do that given week. And right now, that's been an incredibly volatile situation altogether. Let's go to the Saturday night game, which was the Miami Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills. I have to say, the thing that stuck out to me the most on the Dolphins side especially is that Raheem Mostert shocked me with an incredible performance. 17 carries, 136 yards on the ground. He did have a 67-yarder, which, of course, helps boost that. But still... To be that good on the ground against the Buffalo Bills to open up the play action? Well, you figure the passing attack, at the very least, has to be more efficient, right? Eh, maybe not so much. 17 of 30, just above 50% completion percentage, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. If you have Tua, he probably didn't lose you the week. But as we were advising, or at least I was advising all week long, he was not inside my top 12. That's not a direction in which I was planning on having to go in. At the wide receiver position, I mean, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is just Tyreek Hill. 13 targets, 9 catches, 69 yards, gets a receiving touchdown too. You just can't keep Tyreek Hill bogged down for really seems like any length of time. And in his, and in his place, you had Jalen Waddell, who has not been a thing over the past couple of weeks, Coming in and saying, you know what? The hell with this. Three catches, 114 yards, a touchdown, and seven targets. We know he has the big playability. The problem with Jalen Waddle, he's never going to be that target monster guy. He's never going to be that safety blanket guy, at least not within the confines of this offense while they have Tyreek Hill. And that's why you get stuck with, well, frankly, what do you do? You get stuck with. On the Buffalo side of the ball, once again, we have Josh Allen taking a significant amount of rushing away from the running backs themselves. But when it was amongst the running backs, Devin Singletary very much led the way here. 13 to 5 when it comes to him, to James Cook. 42 to 34, I would say that follows in, in line with uh, more James pro James Cook in that situation. But doesn't seem to be the case as far as snap counts or where the Buffalo Bills want to go with the football into the playoffs, which kind of surprises me quite a bit when it comes to the wide receivers yeah look 
better days are ahead for Stefan Diggs. I know it's probably easier said than done if he winds up losing in his matchup, which maybe he did. Five catches, 60 yards on nine targets. I feel like that's a pretty good floor for the majority of wide receivers out there. But when you're in the fantasy playoffs, the last thing you're looking for is a floor. So I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily be uber excited about the possibility of that one. Let's move into our Sunday games, though. We got the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Chicago Bears. It was not looking pretty for the Eagles for the majority of this game. For whatever reason, whether it's because they've been playing against Justin Fields and they're used to the rushing, whatever the case may be, the Cleveland Browns defense, well, I'm sorry, the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears defense, they were much better than anticipated. Jalen Hurts here coming in for 22 of 37, 315 yards. He doesn't throw for a touchdown, but he does rush for three. So that's why he's the hero of this game. By the way, he had 17 carries. He gets listed for Miles Sanders, the second running back on the team, only 11, 3.8 yards per carry. Really, nobody was efficient in this game. And Chicago, maybe we shouldn't just assume Chicago is the lightweight defensive matchup we've been looking for when we play all these games because this was a rough one for them. The only guys who had a great game was the wide receivers. A.J. Brown, nine catches, 181 yards on 16 targets. Devonta Smith, five catches, 126 yards on zero touchdown and eight targets. I mean, that's the kind of production you can only hope for. Next year, uh, next week, Dallas Goddard is able to come back, so I'll have to see what that means as far as it unfolding in the rotation for the throws. But for the most part, if he's able to keep up something similar with target consolidation around three players, oh, man, that's the kind of production you really want to be able to see. On the flip side of that, you go to Chicago, and you go to Justin Fields, and you got to just smile at Justin Fields. He gets two passing touchdowns. Fantastic. The story of the day was the fact that he had 95 rushing yards in this game on 15 carries. When you look at the Eagles defense and you're thinking to yourself, did you guys not know what the Chicago Bears are going to do? They can only do one thing well to begin with, and they were not able to stop it. Whew. Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears, things to take with you moving forward. David Montgomery on the flip side of that, also got all of the work. We have to see exactly what that will mean because next week, Cleo Herbert expected to return. So what kind of shape he's in, what kind of role you want him to play, that's going to be the question when it comes to Chicago Bears and David Montgomery. Let's move on here, though, to the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. Not so many notes here to, to take away. Desmond Ritter is an awful quarterback and. Pretty much what I expected. About a 500 quarterback doesn't even throw for 100 yards passing in this game. Just look completely overwhelmed from start to finish. Now, what I was hoping would happen is that Drake London would get peppered with targets. And you know what? He did. He had 11 targets. I mean, the second closest was three targets from any other given player. Said, turned that into seven catches for 70 yards. There's no upside with this team with Desmond Ritter as a starting quarterback, and it's not going to change anytime soon because, well, Marcus Mariota is on the IR for the rest of the season as a result, too. The rotation, if you're wondering, with the Atlanta backfield really hasn't changed. This game happened to be Tyler Algier having a huge output with 17 carries for 139 yards and a touchdown. But Patterson still had 14 carries compared to 17, 52 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown. But when they get back and... They play this thing out. 
you know, Cordo Patterson, Tyler Algier. These are two guys that tend to rotate. Sometimes we even see three guys in the mix. Well, we didn't see it in this game. We'll see if that happens at some point, you know, with us doing this. But uh, two two running backs, split work. I don't know how you value, frankly, one over the other at this point. When you go to New Orleans Saints, you're talking about Alvin Kamara. His usage was fantastic. He did get 91 yards on the ground, but he only tacked on two targets or two catches and 13 yards and did not tack on a touchdown, which is uber disappointing when you look at the fact that they scored three touchdowns in this game. And it was all receiving two to Juwan Johnson, one to Rashid Shahid. Even Chris Olave was completely disappointed against the Atlanta Falcons. Only four targets on three catches and 53 yards. You're sitting there and thinking to yourself, that's it? That's all we get? This is a problem we run with the Saints and the Andy Dalton-led team here is that once they get a lead, they want to melt the clock as fast as they can. They take their foot off the pedal, even though they shouldn't, until they get at least one more score. And now all of a sudden they're back in matchups that they should never have been competing for towards the end anyway. Well, let's move into the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets. This is a bad pick by me. I had the I had the Jets winning this game because I'm like Detroit Lions on the road. Jared Goff in particular, a completely different quarterback, and you know what? Managed the game just fine. The Detroit Lions here. He had one touchdown all over to Brock Wright, who was his only catch of the game. Go figure. But that's pretty much what set up the win for the Detroit Lions. What a moment they will never forget. But for fantasy wise. You could probably say it. It pretty much helps no one. On the flip side of that, you get the running backs, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, okay, Swift finally had double-digit opportunities the other week. Can he be allowed to get double opportunities again this week? And the question to that was, well, yes, opportunity-wise, he did. Opportunity-wise, he got 17. But touch-wise, with the ball in his hand, he got 13, only 52 yards on the ground, 23 through the air. Things have not been going Saquon Barkley's way so far over the past couple of weeks of the season. On the flip side of that, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, seven catches, 76 yards on 10 targets. That's a fine stat line altogether. On the Jets side of the ball, so Zach Wilson, he's going to start, right? We don't know exactly what that means. Does he favor one receiver over the other? Does he try to stay within the confines of the offense that they already had? And you're left with this pile of, really just trying to figure out a bunch of hypotheticals and you wind up not playing anybody altogether. And frankly, if you were able to do that, I don't know if you were over over Garrett Wilson, but if you were able to do that, you probably set yourself up in a nice position there because the Jets were absolutely terrible. I know he had 317 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Zach Wilson, that is, but that doesn't mean a damn thing, frankly, in today's day and age. And then on the backfield side, you know, I asked Chris this question. I said, do you think Zonovan Knight will essentially be the workhorse running back? And eventually came to the agreement as of yes, but it was brutal this week. 1.8 yards per carry. They played in Jacksonville Jaguars next week. If he's not able to get it done against the Jags, we may be seeing the return of Clyde Lair before too long, or at very least, Jarek McKinnon. When we move on here, we we move on here to our next matchup. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers. My notes for the Steelers here. Uh, 
With Deontay Johnson, he benefited from not having Kenny Pickett. Now, Pickett's been targeting Johnson. There's no doubt about that. He's been targeting double-digit times. He's been the lead guy. But it's always been a good, healthy mix of George Pickens, and there's no deep shots that Deontay Johnson passed, like, you know, five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Like, there's none of that going on. But with Mr. Trubisky at the center, he does target Deontay Johnson a lot, number one, but he does take a couple of shots to him here and there. And that's why he wound up with... You know, 10 targets for 10 receptions and 98 yards, while George Pickens, five targets, two receptions, 53 yards. Basically, this thing has come down to, and Kenny Pickett plays, I'll be ranking George Pickens ahead of Deontay Johnson, but if he does not play, it will be Deontay Johnson as a flex play for me. Uh, Najee Harris, by the way, he continues his streak of plus 20 opportunities None of it came through the air, which is a little bit disappointing, but he does get 24 carries on the week, 86 yards, and a touchdown coming through in a big, big way. Uh, when we go to the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore scored. Do you feel like you trust him? Because I feel like every time this season he's actually had a good game, you come back the other week and you find out he has some kind of ankle injury and he just can't come back from it. I don't know. DJ Moore, though, probably will be inside my top 36. Five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. Good for him. We'll have to see if that actually is able to continue heading into next week. Outside of that, though, you had Donta Foreman, who had disappointing match or disappointing performance, I should say. Only 10 carries for nine yards. Chuba Hubbard wasn't much better. Only 2.5 yards per carry. They just couldn't get anything going really offensively and it was almost felt like a fluke the fact they were in it and it was as close as it was from the get-go in that game to begin with let's move on though to the Dallas Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars we have Dak Prescott here still only 30 pass attempts and you know what I frankly I think that's part of the reason why Jacksonville was able to come back from behind Dallas once again does what they always do which is once they get a lead they get soft offensively they get conservative offensively and as a result everybody's fantasy teams have to suffer uh after Dak Prescott you have Tony Pollard Ezekiel Elliott Pollard to this point in the season for the first time ever actually leading the way in targets. So that's something not to throw away or I'm sorry, in carries not to throw away here. So Pollard gets 75 yards. Zeke though, still getting the rushing touchdown that you're looking for. And that's why he's still always the high end RB three for me. Uh, when you go to the Jacksonville side of the ball, my hat's off to Trevor Lawrence. He's playing great football right now, 318 yards and four touchdowns. He's becoming everything we wanted him to be. But in that means who's catching the ball for him? Well, we used to be uh, Christian Kirk, who did tie for the team lead with 10 targets. But the guy who's really been doing the most production, well, that's Evan Ingram. Or I'm sorry, that's Zay Jones. Six catches, 109 yards, and three touchdowns on eight targets. By the way, Evan Ingram himself had 10 targets in this game for eight catches and 62 yards. So Evan Ingram, yep. Yep, no problem. Keep staying inside of our top 12. Maybe the ceiling or the floor, I should say, falls out from under him, whatever the case may be. But for now, he's been rocking it there. Uh, Outside of that, I have, you know, Zay Jones, a great flex play from here on out. Oh, we can just kind of move on here to the Houston and Kansas City game. Kansas City winning this game in overtime. It took overtime for the Chiefs to beat the Houston Texans. I don't know what's gotten the Houston Texans as of late, but they had two superior teams on their schedule. And while they didn't win those games, they kept it oddly competitive. As a result of that, Isaiah Pacheco, 15 carries, which you'll take more times not in 86 yards, but doesn't score a touchdown in this game. 
Instead, you're dealing with Jared McKinnon getting a good fair share of the carries as well at 10, getting 52 yards, a touchdown. Oh, and by the way, basically one of the one, number one wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs to begin with. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game, 10 targets, 10 catches, 88 yards. He continues to be the only Chiefs wide receiver that I'm willing to play in fantasy lineups, plain and simple, because, of course, Travis Kelsey typically will get his 10 targets, 10 receptions on 105 yards on the Houston Texans side. Well, without Damian Pierce, we got a taste of it's going to be a committee. And to make this point even more detriment is that the committee of what we thought it could be, which could be Rex Rex Burkhead is definitely not going to happen. Not only is it going to keep him off to the sideline, but they're not even including him in things. So Rex Burkhead is out of the mix. It's Royce Freeman. It's Dare Agungabawale. It's if they decide to run Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. I mean, it's an absolute mess with the Houston Texans. And the only other thing that fantasy-wise you can kind of count on is like, okay, well, with you know the opportunities presenting themselves with Nico Collins out and Brandon Cooks out, maybe, maybe Chris Moore can take advantage of here. He did last week, but this week he couldn't do it. Nine targets, th- four catches, 42 yards. And that was pretty much the end of that. Let's move on into our next game, the Cardinals and the Denver Broncos. I have to admit, I didn't see a ton of this game other than Cole McCoy. He did get banged up. That means Trace McSorley had to come into the game. And as you could imagine, that means no more deep plays for anyone. Everything has to be with inside the line of scrimmage. That's why we see DeAndre Hopkins get 11 targets, but only seven catches or 60 yards. That's not typically a DeAndre Hopkins stat line. James Connors okay with it because James Connors gets volume every day of the week. 63 yards on the ground with, uh, you know, a touchdown on the ground as well. 28 yards through the air. You know, everybody wants a little piece of you come this time of year on the Denver Broncos side. The most shocking thing here, of course, had to be Latavius Murray coming out of the woodwork and getting 24 carries for 130 yards with a rushing touchdown. Phenomenal in that game. Jerry Judy was the high targeted guy, eight targets. The next closest guy had four. He had seven catches for eight, 76 yards. Didn't get a score, but it's still a little odd here with Jerry Judy, not having Russell Wilson at his disposal can make things a little bit uneasy. We go. We cut over to the Patriots and the Raiders game. I already mentioned earlier because Jacoby Myers wound up being one of our thumpers of the week. What a boneheaded play that was to try to throw the ball all the way back to Mac Jones. When the game was tied, it's not like you had to have that play in order to win. The game was tied. If you just ended it there and kicked the field goal, we would have won. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. But the the Patriots aren't able to win this game. The Raiders do. And Josh McDaniels continues a long line of predecessors to Bill Belichick being able to come up with the W's, even though it wasn't pretty football by any stretch of the means. I mean, we had Derek Carr have almost 50% completion day. He was absolutely awful. We had Josh Jacobs go for 22 carries, but only 93 yards. And then, of course, we talked about Devontae Adams being one of the big bummers of the week. Just nobody did what you needed them to do. And on the Patriots side of the ball, we weren't really looking for anybody. I had Nelson Aguilar and a couple of DFS teams just in case, you know, Jacoby Myers was unable to play. That was not the case, however. But in this matchup here, yeah, it, it, Roger Stevenson, who had an ankle injury and was listed as, you know, limited for the entirety of the week, comes back and practice on Friday and, well, now he's got 19 more carries with 172 yards and a touchdown. Explain that one to me. 
Let's move on to our next matchup. That's the Tennessee Titans versus the Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, look for Henry. This is a, kind of it. Kind of felt like a whole hum day. Like, of course he's going to throw 100 yards. Of course he's going to score a touchdown. Of course he can give you a little something in the pass game. Now, do I expect him to give me the team lead in passing yardage? No, no, that's not what I was expecting. But he, it does pay off. It does pay off. It gives him that nice little floor. And Derrick Henry is the entirety of this Tennessee offense right now and continues to be so. Uh, when we move on here to oh, no passing game without Burks. That's my other note for the Tennessee Titans is that without Burks, they don't have anybody who can just command the ball down the field as a perimeter wide receiver. None whatsoever. And it does cause for a lot of conflicts here throughout the year. But let's go ahead and dive into our next matchup, and that would be the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I'm sorry. We skipped over the Chargers. My bad. We go to the Chargers here, and like I said, Justin Herbert, he was a disappointing performance, 313 yards, but didn't have a touchdown, didn't really run. And as a result of that, you're stuck with what's left over, and what's left over is, well, frankly, not all that much. So you're happy to see Justin Herbert get some things together, at least in the second half. Austin Eckler still leading the way. Keenan Allen does lead the way in targets. That's what you would suspect for those two. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that one. We go into our next and last matchup for the Sunday Funday recap, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, what I have for this is Chase heavily targeted in offense, even though it wasn't always the most efficient, of course, but he did have T. Higgins back. He did Tyler Boyd back. Clearly not at 100%, which is why we were all, it was all about Jamar Chase you know, being able to be the guy heading into this week. Joe Mixon came back from a concussion injury. He had 11 carries, but Samaja Perrine was still kind of right there with seven. They could be giving him another week before they go full, you know, full go with those type of guys as well. So some things to kind of keep your eyes out on, on social media at Billy Up and the FF Show. And on the Tampa Bay side, it's always heavy volume because it's Tom Brady, but Russell Gage, really? Russell Gage gets two touchdowns. He gets the one who gets 12 targets and leads the way. He's only gets eight receptions for 59 yards. Really? A Russell Gage? Are we serious? That's not something you want to try to bounce back from. Oh, and by the way, Tammy Backfield, still very much committee. Rashad White had 11 compared to Leonard Fournette's 10. Leonard Fournette had four targets and four receptions. And that's where he did outpace Rashad White by a decent amount because he only had the two tar- the two targets for one reception and five yards. But that's going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow with a primetime recap. Uh, my heroes and zeros, basically my writer on calls of the week, my waiver save gears. I hope you guys are able to get through your first round of playoffs. If you're still looking for a Monday night or Sunday night miracle, I am here to choose cheer for you guys as well. Make sure you're following us along on your favorite podcast apps. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. And guys, I'll see you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.